it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Returnable from the 39-yard line. Breaks a couple of tackles. Heading to midfield. Left speed. Breaks another tackle. Heading down the sideline. Looking for the pylon after a cutback. He's got a Michigan touchdown. Michigan off and rolling. The Wolverines not just 3-0, but outscoring its non-conference competition to begin the 2022 season by a total of 166-17. to And with that, welcome you inside the Monday Coaches Press Conference edition of Big Ten Live. I'm Rick Pizzo. As always, we have a jam-packed edition for you today on Monday, getting ready for the first true weekend of conference play. Four conference matchups this weekend awaiting head coaches like Jim Harbaugh, Mel Tucker, P.J. Fleck, Paul Crist, Greg Schiano. All those men set to face conference competition coming up on Saturday, and we will hear from all of them over the next two and a half hours. Mentioned the red-hot start for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. It was 51-7 over Colorado State. Then it was 56-10 over Hawaii. Then 59-0 over a completely overmatched UConn team this past weekend. And now conference play. For the fourth straight week, Michigan remaining at home. They will host Maryland in Ann Arbor coming up this weekend in a game you can see on Fox. To wrap up the non-con and look ahead to conference play, here is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, really good playmakers. Uh, quarterback's playing outstanding. Uh, doing a good job protecting him. Um, and he's just making a – they're making a lot of plays. He's making a lot of plays uh, in the pocket, out of the pocket. Um, yeah, overall, it's a, it's a really good offense. J.J. talked about throwing the previous game in the ocean and moving forward. Is that perpetual forward thinking something you preach, something inherent to him, or a little of both? Um, I just think uh, you know, the guys are excited to attack the next challenge. They're, not, uh, they're ready for it. They know it's going to be a uh, step up in competition and start a Big Ten play. Uh, I think it's more a function of very, very excited for that next challenge. Chris? Coach Greg Griffin, uh, is there something wrong with him how he played the last two weeks? Uh, no, there's nothing nothing wrong with him. Okay. Right. Yeah, he's good. Uh, he's good. We're, uh, it's just one of those uh, things where there's a possibility of, of redshirting him this year, and we're going to. We're uh, going to see how that goes. I mean, it's can't predict the future, but um, 
if Olu you know can stay healthy and and play in there, then uh, there'd be a, a shot of getting that that year back for for Crip, and um, <clears throat> so that's uh, yeah why he's, why he's only played one game. And then can you talk about Olu's progress and what you've seen from him? Yeah, uh, really good. Uh, he had another really solid game. Um, so did Ryan Hayes. Uh, so did Trevor Keegan when he was in there, and Zach Zinter and Olu. Uh, you know, Trent Taplet is. Uh, Continuing to uh, to play well as well, so uh, yeah, they're he's playing good. On the right here, Ryan, with the lighter non-conference pitchers you guys face, how have you guys maybe changed up what you guys have done in practice to maybe better simulate the the tougher competition you guys will face in the Big Ten? Uh, you know, just the momentum's been good. The um, the work ethic has been great. Leadership's been great, and it's been. Just uh, selfless people in the program all around, and uh, that shows up in practice. Austin, Jim, when you look at the pass protection, a couple of those hits that Kate took, what do you, what do you see that needs to get better there? <clears throat> um, yeah, both. Uh, you know, there's been some times where where we've we've gotten beat on a on a one on one matchup. Um, you know, this game, the game before, every you're striving for chasing perfection. Um, but sometimes, uh, well, probably all the time, you don't get perfection. Uh, hope to attain excellence. And uh, end of sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, to to uh, try to press the ball downfield and get into field goal range. Aaron, speaking of Katie, is there any clarity on the injury and how long he might be out for? Uh, no, not uh, not at this point. Yeah, seen good things. Um, Davis Warren, um, Alan Bowman, Alex Orgy, seeing uh, seeing very good things from them in practice and then uh, and when they've gotten in on the games. I think we have uh, good confidence in in all three. I know you were asked about the offseason, but Ronnie Bell, what, was, what have you seen from him through the first three weeks? And was there a part of you that wondered if he was going to be the same guy coming back from injury? Um, well, you never know for sure, but I mean, uh, yeah, he came back stronger, faster, um, all the speed and agility, a lot of the speed and agility tests were, were PRs for him. Uh, so, and I never really wondered about his mindset and, you know, that figured that would be the approach. Uh, and it was the way he's, uh. Also, the way he's blocking is at an elite level. Uh, so is um, so is CJ, and so is um, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, uh, Andrell Anthony, 
right maybe right now uh yeah it'd be it'd be a it'd be a battle who's our best blocker um but uh it's showing up in the perimeter perimeter game is at a at a new level for us and you've seen that in the in the ball games that we've been playing uh, but ronnie's uh, really blocking well and, and catching the ball and running routes and, and doing everything he's doing, leading his work ethic. I mean, he's been selfless. I mean, a great example of, of what I talked about earlier. Isaiah? Keeping the receivers, Roman Wilson really seems like he's taken a big step forward this year. What's allowed him to have the kind of success he's had so far? I've just been, uh, been highly motivated. Uh, he's had a it's been an everyday approach for him. I mean, it really has his focus and determination on uh, you know being being the best he can be is has been been daily. I don't I do not know uh, for sure if he's taking a day off, but it doesn't seem like it. He's uh, he's been attacking it at all times. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's something we've been working on. Uh, he's just he's just able to do so much. Uh, you know, just try to find ways, continue to find ways like we've always always have to try to get him the ball. Uh, but uh, really evolving as a route runner, uh, you know, his determination as a returner. I mean, he's he's uh, he's been been outstanding and just what a, what a. He, uh, I mean, from where he started last year, you know, first time catching a punt to, to where he is now, it's, it's, it's so good. Um, and, I, every, you know, every part of his game, he's, you know, he's, he's hungry. He wants to, wants to keep, uh, keep getting better and evolving. That's really good. What do you attribute the lack of penalties to so far this season? Uh, yeah, it's been a high emphasis put on it. Um, yeah, you know, just looking at the way, you know, the way um, example would be, you know, the way the defense uh, hits a quarterback. You know, I mean, every time, I mean, we've had we've had free runners. Uh, I mean, they do a great job of keeping it in the strike zone, in the legal strike zone, uh, keeping their head out of it. Uh, Mike Sammer still. Uh, and any guy that's gotten gotten near the quarterback, uh, just really focusing on the technique and um, and and uh, you know to the best of your ability to you know, not get the not do your job, but without getting getting those penalties. Uh, same with hitting defenseless players. Macari Page had a had a tremendous hit in the game um, that broke up a pass, but it was I mean textbook uh, shoulder pad helmet. Uh, Helmet not leading with the crown, and and uh, you know all those things that that are coached and, and really put into action. At, uh, those 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 coaching points uh, and the guys the guys being you know being able to think in split second and reactions, whether it's uh, you know taking their hands off of a receiver that's blocking downfield. I mean, just taking the taking the hands off, you know, and just running. With one arm, Ronnie did a great job of that in the game. Some of those situations where <clears throat> it's it's easy to get a penalty, 
but uh, uh, you know, feel like guys have been trained and and uh, you know really take those those coaching points to heart and, and put them into action on on Saturdays. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. I would uh, say Mike's been uh, been great. Uh, as I said, um, the leadership, the work ethic, you know, just the selflessness of of everybody around the program is uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, coaches like Mike Elston, um, you know, I've talked a lot about uh, you know, Jesse Minter and and Steve Klingscale, and uh, Mike's doing a great job. George Hilo is doing a great job. Uh, Jay Harbaugh, the offensive coaches, uh, Sharon, Matt Weiss, uh, really doing well. And uh, Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, um, Grant Newsom, um, really, uh, really happy with, with uh, how everybody's coaching. But the, um, the D-line, uh, you know, is, is, is standing out. The, you know, the best thing about our defense, when I look at them, is just the, the way guys are getting off blocks. I mean, uh, they're getting off blocks and making tackles. Uh, Chris Jenkins had a phenomenal game in this game. So did Junior Colson, um, Mike Sammers still. Those two guys, Junior and, uh, and, and Chris, really, really played well. Really getting off blocks. Upshaw, you know, getting blocked, making the tackle. Uh, Jalen Harrell setting an edge, getting blocked. And making a tackle there, uh, the the, uh, the upfront games and and, and uh, twists have been been really good. I mean, they work on it every day, and it's uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it's fun to watch. Fourteen guys, I think, have gotten uh, TFLs out of the eighteen TFLs that we've had. Um, you know, they're you know, again a point to great work ethic, leadership, and uh, you know selflessness. Uh, and really, really shows up uh, in all phases of our of our football team right now, in my opinion. Last, David. Uh, Jim, Blake's development as the primary back turned to have on Saturday with five touchdowns on a much lower amount of yards than some of the five touchdowns we probably have. Um, how have you seen his development, not just in speed, which was already seen last year, but as the power back? Yeah, I mean, look at Blake. I mean, he's just—he was so good right right when he got here. I mean, he's—he, uh, you know, has always maintained an impeccable uh, approach to the game of football in terms of work ethic. Uh, but I think he's added a few pounds uh, this off season, and it's all strength. It's all lean muscle mass. Uh, you know, just as fast, just as quick. Uh, Probably no, no, uh, no better example of selflessness in the program than, than Blake Corum. He, uh, a tremendous worker and a tremendous leader. Uh, couldn't say enough good things about him, but uh, you know, his, he's always been good. His approach has always been a plus plus, and uh, play speaks for itself. Let's go, you know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 
you know, they're, there's just so many they're looking to do. Uh, and, and you love guys like that. On the left there, Reiner. Jim, players have talked about um, kind of setting a new standard last year. How much do you think you've seen that, especially this first three, three games, how they kind of carried one performance to the next? Yeah, um, just like what I said, I think the momentum is just is just really good right now, and and uh, and I highlighted the three areas that I that I highlighted: uh, work ethic, leadership, and uh, you know selflessness throughout the program. Really, really stands out. And excited for this next this next challenge, this next week. We uh, we know it's gonna competition level is gonna step up and and the guys uh, want to have at it. They're ready to, to attack it with a great week of practice and and then uh, have at it on Saturday. Our last question, John. Did you get a chance to see what Aiden did yesterday? Yeah, three sacks. I watched it. Yeah. It was really impressive. Great to see it. Thoughts about his transition in just a couple of games? Pretty darn good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Coach Harbaugh has become a big fan of the movie quotes. Uh, not a big fan on sharing this news. Cade McNamara's injury still expected to keep the now backup quarterback out a few weeks. J.J. McCarthy has been terrific as now the starter. Harbaugh saying he has full confidence in the other backups, likes what he has seen from them so far in Michigan's three wins. Big Ten Network, get you started at noon Eastern, 11 Central Time here on Big Ten Network, Central Michigan, taking on Penn State. And then at 3.30 Eastern, I'm excited to be at Spartan Stadium, joined by Brandon God and Joshua Perry on the call for Michigan State, Minnesota. At 7.30, you can see either Purdue or Northwestern based on your area. Another triple header coming your way this Saturday here on Big Ten Network. And for Michigan State and Mel Tucker, it will be the attempt at a bounce back this weekend. Great start to the season, but then the road trip to Washington on Saturday night did not turn out the way the Spartans envisioned, losing 39-28. Now, Michigan State set to host Minnesota. First time these teams have played since 2017, which means it'll be Tucker's first go against P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. And it is a tough sled right now for Michigan State. The road game to Washington followed by a home game against Minnesota. And then you go back-to-back, Maryland, Ohio State, and Wisconsin all in a row before finally getting a much-deserved rest in Week 8. You know Mel Tucker's not focused that far in the future, thinking only right now about Minnesota. Let's head to East Lansing and listen in to the head Spartan. All right, thanks, everyone, for being here today. And we got back... uh, uh, early Sunday morning, about 6 a.m., watched it, watched the, uh, tell you, watched it on the plane, and watched it uh, uh, when we got back right away, and uh, and it was exactly what you know, what we thought that we would see. Uh, very disappointing, you know, um, you know, just sick of some of uh, the bad football that we played, um, you know. So we, uh, you know, we made the improvements when we made the corrections, and. Uh, and then we had our first practice for Minnesota. We're really excited about opening up the Big Ten here at home in the woodshed. I want to thank our fans. It's been great. Um, 
two home games and then travel well on the road. And uh, really appreciate that and looking forward to a great atmosphere in the woodshed. So with that, I'll open it, I'll open it up. When you looked at the film, was the pass breakdowns schematic or was it uh, missed assignments or technique or what, what was the prevailing yeah, thing? We didn't have anything schematic, um, which is um, the first thing you look for. It says there's, are we getting schemed up or is, do we have a, you know, something of that nature? It was mostly uh, uh, communication or you know, technique some type of eye discipline or an alignment error, um, something of that nature. Yep. When, when you look at the other side of the ball on the offense, what, what change do you feel um, with, up front between the beginning of the game and you know, the second half where the line was starting to kind of establish themselves a little bit? Yeah, well, we... Um, it was better execution, really. Um, you know, just more assignment sound. It was it was death by inches with the offense, defense, and special teams for the entire game. Well, certainly in the first half, um, we had more. We had twice as many missed assignments in the first half as we did in this in the second half. So that was pretty much what it was. I was wondering when you look at Minnesota, their run game, their offense overall has been really good um, numbers-wise, but with Mo in the backfield and kind of the challenge he presents leading them back there. Yeah, I really like the way they play the game of football. Uh, PJ's done a really nice job with that program, and they have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Um, and uh, they're big, and they, uh, they're, they're very good at what they do in the run game, and um, they're very well coached, and they are. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. You know, you know they're going to run inside zone and stretch, and, and you just got to stop them. They have really good runners, um, and um, the running back is he's physical, and he, you know, he, he, he runs the ball like the way, to, the way you're supposed to run the rock. So uh, I'm very impressed with the way they run the way they play the game and the way they run the football. Uh, and they're very efficient in the passing game as well. They have a very good quarterback experience, um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So now I'm just really impressed with when you turn on the tape and you see how they play the game of football. Yep, I love it. Hey, Coach. 
Um, so Peyton seemed to be um, playing better in, uh, against Washington this week, um, but he seemed to take, uh, wasn't afraid to put his body on the line and took a few hits. Was he able to still hit the ground running at practice this week? Uh, well, he was, he was, he's still alive, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was present today, so. And uh, what were your thoughts on his um, overall play and uh, improvement from the first two games? He, he played. He played. Uh, he played well. I mean, he played better, and um, he was uh, he was more efficient. He um, he threw some really nice balls. He uh, he took some checkdowns and he actually threw the ball away. So um, and he th I mean he threw some really nice balls and then he used his feet. He was uh, he's hyper competitive, which you could see. And so um, you know he he he, he improved. Well, you went for for two a number of times, and obviously you, they had the the odd score with the, the safety and everything. And I'm wondering, philosophically, was that just something based on the math and metrics, or just so the decisions to continue to, to to go up to those points? No, it's just basically the math and the metrics, the analytics that really dictate those decisions, you know, in the game, and uh, and that's kind of how we go about it. Yeah. No, I'm wondering. Um, PJ announced that uh, Ottman Bell is out for the year. Mm -hmm. um, when you got, when you, it's kind of a two-part thing. When you go into a game like this and you hear something like that on a on a Monday, how, how do you kind of prepare for that when when a key piece is missing? And for you guys on the other side, how have you guys been able to sustain some of the top-level depth injuries that you've had? Yeah. So if if you know that a if you know that a player is not going to be available, then you don't have to prepare for that player, you know. But you still have to prepare for the other players, you know. And, and they have a lot of good players and they have a really good scheme, um, and, and they and they play hard. Us, you know, depth-wise, is really it's been a next man up uh, mentality for us. I mean, that's the way it has to be. And so, um, you know, injuries are a part of the game. Obviously, and so we need as many guys to be ready as possible and prepared to play. And so the next the next guy steps up, and you know we we expect production, you know, in the, in in those positions. Now, when you went back and looked, I'm wondering what you thought of the the pass rush. I know they get the ball out quick out there, mm -hmm. but without without a sack, and just how important is it going to be to get back on track there? Like mm -hmm. you mentioned, a good O line coming in here, experienced quarterback and everything. Yeah, yeah. So. We just need to have a better coordinate, coordination with the rush, making sure the guys are working together up front. You know, um, and I'm talking about uh, when we're rushing four guys. Um, you know, we, and, and also, you know, we have some some other uh, you know rush uh, schemes um, where we weren't necessarily rushing four guys, but. We were expecting to get three one-on-ones, and we didn't execute. And so, uh, I mean, it takes everyone working together to uh, to get the type of rush that we need. And so that's that's an area where we need to improve. And it was evident when um, we watched the film. We actually watched the film with the players today. Um, the the entire football team, like this morning at seven uh, seven oh five, and it was. Uh, we watched a continuous copy, 
in which you know it's not something that we normally do, um, but sometimes that's, it's, it's it's good to do that, so so everyone can see, you know, what happens in the game. Offense, we talk about playing complementary football, so you have offense, defense, and special teams all working together, and. Um, you know, you'd be surprised that sometimes even on the coaching staff, you know, the offensive coach is not sure what exactly is going on on defense. You know, vice versa, same with the players, you know. It could be a defensive player. He just gets off the field. He's going over adjustments. Next thing you know, they say sudden change. He runs on the field, you know, after the game, showers up, gets on the bus, goes back, checks his phone, coming the next day. He watches the defensive film. He doesn't know what happened, you know. But their teammates said it was one team, so um, – Sometimes it's good to get everyone in one room and and just go through it. Just how I watch the film. I watch a continuous copy of games. You know, just how it happens. We kick off and then we're on defense and you know, and then uh and then it kinda goes there, special teams offense, you can you see it. So we watch the first half together like that and it's um it helps with uh guys understanding actually um why we have when we have success, why we have it, why we when we don't have success, and it helps with accountability. Um, and it also helps to um, the understanding of uh, complementary football, and and uh, and then you know how uh, you know little details and uh, and uh, discipline and things like that. How they plan to having successful plays or unsuccessful plays. And you know, death by inches um, was what what was what the story of the day. And um, on all three phases, what we call a rat trap. And rat, and I've talked about it before, is when you know all all camp, all week, you know, preparation. You know, two plus two is four. You get in the game, and then and you feel good about you know two plus two being four, and then you get in the game, and all of a sudden two plus two is equals five or six, and it's like, well, why why'd you say it was five? I, I don't know. What is it? It's four. You know it's, you know it's four? Yes, I know it's four. Why'd you say it was five? I don't know. That's called rat trap. And so we have to do a better job as coaches to make sure that that doesn't happen. And that starts with me. So we have to be, we have to coach harder. Uh, we have to coach smarter. We have to coach with more intensity, more detail, more sense of urgency. And we have to just uh, put more pressure on the, the entire situation so that when we do go into the game, we don't go rat trap. Is it start to finish? That's how I watch the games, unless I'm just specifically watching one side of the ball for, for some reason. It's not a TV copy. It's just the it's the coach's copy. So, for example, we kick off. Now we're we kick off. We we see that, and then now we're on defense, and um, you know they go down and they score. Okay, and then um, you know extra point block. You know, and then uh, kickoff return. You know, then we're on offense and we see that, and then you know we run few plays and then it's third and one, you know, third and one, you know, we have miscommunication. We block it one way, running back goes another way. Now it's fourth and seven, punt. 
you know, now we're back on defense. And then you, you just watch the whole half like that so you can see. And then the coaches are making the comments. The coaches are making the comments um, as I'm running the clicker. So Scotty will say, hey, it's like the main point of the play. Hey, you know, we are misaligned here. Then the D-line coach may say, hey, this is, you know, this is, he makes the coaching point. The linebacker coach makes the coaching point. Defensive back coach makes the coaching point. I may throw in my two cents and go to the next play. We go through it like that. Same thing on offense and then on special teams. It takes a while. That's why you can't really do it all the time, you know. But um, but we were able to make some time. We were able to adjust our schedule to make that happen this morning. And it was important. I thought it was very effective. Did you, did you watch that? Did, did you watch the two tweet play stuff? Like, you know, the, the 25 second block and watch like, how are we substituting? How are guys dealing with things going in and out of the game? We can only watch what's on the, on the coach's copy. So sometimes you can see some things, sometimes you can't. Um, and that's why, um, you know, we watch TV copies as well, you know, to see things that we can't see, um, you know, on the coach's copy. And the coach's copy doesn't, it doesn't have any sound on it, you know. Mel, in the back, you guys, looks like you guys went to some three linebacker sets in the second half. Was that something you noticed at halftime or what kind of caused that adjustment? That was part of our game plan going in, yeah. We, we try to match personnel depending on what they're in, you know, depending on what we want to play. So, Hey, Mel, I'm curious, is this last game with Minnesota, are you and your staff that came from Colorado, are you able to take more from that game because you still know some of the players who are at Colorado? Like, just more so, like, do you, do you, did you get more out of that than you would against a team that you've, you've never been around before? Um... You know, I did watch that game. I, I can't say I got more out of it, really. A lot of the guys that were there that we were familiar with aren't, aren't there anymore. You know, so um, I didn't get, you know, didn't get quite as much as if maybe, you know, we knew all the guys that were out there, and you could kind of, you could kind of see, you know, like you know, you know what the matchup should look like, and then what they actually look like on the tape, you know. We think it's not as much of that. Mel in the front. So, when, you know, they're coming off three games at home. You guys obviously just made a, you know, challenging trip to the West Coast. Do you think that gives you guys anything, you know, having already been kind of tested in a different way versus them, they're now doing it really for the first time this year? Well, you know, we're expecting them to come in here and be, be great and be prepared and be ready to go. So, um, you know, how, how, you know, going on the road helps us and just how playing a game helps us, helps us as we should learn from the experience. And um, like you asked me, you guys asked me after the game, you all asked me after the game, like, what do you learn about your team? Well, you, you know, you learn a lot when you see the guys play in games, when you see them play in that type of environment. Um, and so it, it's very revealing. And so we learn from it and then, and, uh, and then we move on. And it was good to get our first practice in this morning um, for Minnesota because, you know, we had to quickly move on and, uh, and get that game behind us because, you know, it just makes you, it just makes you sick um, until you can really turn the page. And, it's, you know, but you have, to, you, have to move, you have to move on. Mel, you talk about all about the ball, and we've seen what the fumble recoveries have meant this year. It's a 
111 pass attempts now without an interception. Mm -hmm. What can you do about that? Yeah, well, um, there's a few things. When you're when you're playing, when you're playing, uh, we you know we play zone coverage and we play man coverage, and then there's some combination coverages. When you're playing zone coverage, um, you have to do a really good job in the passing game in terms of uh, making sure that you the guys that have the in zone should have vision on the quarterback. And uh, and when the when the um, quarterback you know throws the ball, everyone needs to break one third the distance. The ball's in the air to the reception area, um, and then all tips and overthrows we have to get those. Um, and then the underneath players, when the quarterback gets to the top of his drop and sets his foot, sets his his back foot and hitches, um, all the underneath droppers need to be uh, set up in the receivers. Uh, should not be over top of those underneath droppers at that point. So it's a race against time. They can diagnose, see, pass, and get back and get set up and get ready to break on the ball. Um, and then we have to have the rush coordinated and working with the coverage. And sometimes, a couple times in the last game, we had um, the rush, but the coverage wasn't was didn't make the quarterback hold the ball long enough for us to get there. You know, and then. Vice versa, sometimes we had good coverage and the rush wasn't coordinated. The quarterback, you know, has more time to run around a little bit and somebody, you know, find somebody open late, you know. So in man coverage, same thing with the rush. That doesn't change. Um, we have to have really good eye discipline in man coverage, uh, make sure that we stay on top. Um, and uh, I'm not saying you can't get interceptions and takeaways in man coverage. Um, but the, the main thing is, you know, make sure you're, you're, on, uh, you're on top of your guy and my man doesn't catch the ball. And if you have an opportunity to get your hands on the ball, then make the play, you know. So, um, and then, you know, when we pressure, we got to speed up the quarterback and we got to be opportunistic. We have vision, you know, on the, uh, on the quarterback to break on the football, you know. So, yeah, when we were close a few times, I thought that we had a chance to get some balls, like some balls that were overthrown. Uh, we were really, really close. Um, you know, but we didn't have a good enough break on the ball, weren't in quite enough good uh, in the position that we needed to be in to make the play. So we had to coach. We had to coach a lot better to get to all of us to get to get what we want in the, as far as takeaways, interceptions. Mel, you've obviously been coaching a long time, been through disappointments and ups and downs, and you yes, most I have. <laughs> And your and your your players mostly as well. You, you've had a nice run here, going back to the Penn State games, and something really has gone wrong. And I'm wondering what you look for inside your program when you have a moment like this, where for for some guys it's new, and the response you want to see. And and are there tells and things you're looking for during the week? Yeah. Well, coming out of the game after you grade the film, then you you know and and you see uh, you see rat trap. You know, then you know you basically got guys in three categories: guys you can trust, and you know what you're going to get from them. Then you got guys in the in the middle category that, you know, that you uh, you feel like you should be able to trust, but you need to get better. Then you got guys in the category where you just can't trust them right now. You're not sure exactly what you're going to get at all when they step on the field. So you have to make sure those guys you can't trust don't step on the field again until they until they get to the point where you can trust again. You know, through practice. And then, so that's the first thing you have to do. You know, who, who we're going to put on the field, and then what changes need to be made from a personnel standpoint. You know, assuming that the scheme is sound and things like that. And then we all we got to coach them better. Um, and then, and then 
we're going to be defined on you know, how we how we respond, you know, to adversity and how do we respond to a loss. Just like how do you handle success, you know, the same thing. So um, we're looking for the choices and decisions that that we make, you know, daily, you know, right now, like today and tomorrow, um, that are like, what are we, what are we going to do about it? You know, require work, unrequire work, our attention to detail, the sense of urgency. Is there any complacency in the program? Is there, um, is there any um, uh, sense of entitlement? Is there, is there any casualness in any part of the program? You know. Um, like today, it was like today it was a couple of guys who were a little late to treatment, you know, which pissed me off, you know, you know, because that's how you get your ass beat, you know. So you look for things like that moving forward, and we make good choices and decisions, and we we have intentional focus, uh, then, um, and that's how we uh, that's how we get better and make sure we don't uh, go out there and um, you know play bad football like we did on Saturday. Um, now we're right here. The the list of Big Ten teams that you guys haven't played it as as a staff yet is obviously when when you know shortening uh, as we move forward here. Minnesota is a first time though for you guys. Just I'm wondering. I know the process isn't going to change wholesale, but just does a little more have to go into it? I guess uh, when it's not a team like a Purdue or somebody you know that you have played before uh, since you guys have been here, anything like that. I'm not sure if there's a little more that has to go into it. You know, we have um, we do um, out of season studies on our opponents because we know what the schedule is going to be and then we see if there's uh, new coordinators and things like that and, and we do the research on the guys ahead of time um, and if you played them maybe the year before or a couple years you can pull out the, the, the game from uh, last year or a couple years ago and kind of see how you played and then compare it to what they're doing now see if anything's changed and uh, you may have you may be able to see like your guys against their guys personnel matchups things like that but I think if you if you uh, if you if you're preparing any any um, any like more or more diligently or with more urgency or or uh, you know more attention to detail um, you know one week versus another week then I mean that's a problem you know if you're if you're preparing as a, like a staff or players like if you're saying okay well I'm gonna prepare a little bit more well like. Why, why are you preparing more now and you, as opposed to another game? It should be maximum preparation. You know, we only get so many opportunities. And, like, you know, this is what, we, what we're doing as coaches. Not like I'm teaching classes or, you know, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, 
like I'm going to in school suspension and watching over that class, you know, after I leave here and I'm going back to prepare. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, yep. Hey, Mel, I know, you know, as head coach, you're, you're concerned more about the bigger picture. I'm over here. Over here. Sorry. Yeah, I, should, no, I should have fine. known from the accent. It's, oh, yeah, well, oh, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Uh, anyway, I was saying that, you know, as head coach, I know you're concerned about the bigger picture and every aspect of the program top to bottom. But when a quarterback has a game where he throws from 400 yards and four touchdowns, now that you're coaching the corners, mm -hmm. do you take that more personally? Did Hell it get yeah. it harder? Hell okay. yeah, I take it personal. I take it all personal. I remember one time I was coaching, a, I was at another school, I'm not going to name it, and then uh, something happened. And, and uh, well, I was, I, was, I was actually at Ohio State, and someone said, well, you can't take that personally. You know, and I was like, I didn't understand that. And I, and I, and I was talking to Coach Trussell about it. He said, I never met a good coach who didn't take it personally. And so I guess since, since Saturday, kind of what, what has been the self-reflection for you on, on maybe – what you could have done with the corners and things yeah. like that. Yeah, well, the reflection is like I told the like I told the players, I, the resume is on the tape, you know. So, like right now, I'm a horseshit football coach right now. That's that's honestly, it's how I think about it. So we got to get better. You talked before the season about um, the pass defense and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. it, the mistakes that were made. Saturday, are they the same as last year? Or are they a different breed? Or how, how would you characterize yeah. it? Well, I, I saw some similarities in a couple of things, and that's why we're going to have to make some changes. Yeah. You mean personnel? Yeah. You said you take this personally. Um, obviously, it's Monday, it's early, mm -hmm. but you'll see more throughout the weekend on Saturday. But how do you think your guys are responding just to that first loss and kind of mm. moving forward to Big Ten? Today we were we were good today. We had we had good meetings. I thought the meetings were productive. Our practice we didn't hit today, but we were going full speed, um, and there was a lot of focus there. And I saw the attention to detail. The guys didn't weren't in were paying attention and. Guys were coaching each other up. It was very, it was very organized. I thought we moved with a sense of urgency from drill to drill, and things were pretty clean. Um, and just kind of introducing the game plan to the guys. Um, and so uh, we talk about stacking days, um, and every detail being important. So, you know, at the end of every practice, you know, the the question becomes like, did we stack? Did we stack today? And so, you know, I'll, when I go back, we we'll watch the film. Um, here the, of the practice and offense, defense, special teams, and we'll say, hey, did we stack today? And and it's uh, the standard is is a standard. So either we did or we didn't, you know. because if we didn't if we didn't practice or perform up to the standard, um, then it's, then we didn't stack, you know. So that's kind of how we how we go about, you know, the process throughout the week. If we stack days. Um, and that gives us the best chance, you know. But again, we have to raise our level of intensity in what we're doing. Um, and uh, I hope my mom is not watching this press conference today. So, now, just your, your team's challenge is obviously how they bounce back from their first taste of adversity. Where do you think your team's confidence level is, or how a game like that affects it? We're, we're, we're going to find out here pretty soon. 
you know. But today, I saw a confident football team. I mean, you 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 learn. You have to learn, and it you have to learn from um, you have to learn from you know from adversity. Like we're gonna be defined, you know, based on like how we respond to to like this adversity and our loss and 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 uh and sometimes you sometimes you can win and not play well and you have to respond to that like when in the first game of the season we're a very inconsistent football team right now you know um and so um and you know the co- I think the collective confidence of the team is is uh is as confident as it can be coming off of a performance like that but you know the team is made up of a of uh, of individuals, and and so you know you gotta look at those some of the individuals that are gonna be they're gonna have a role in the game, and we have to see like hey if they're gonna have a role, we have to make sure they're confident in what they're doing, and um, you know you the confidence comes from demonstrated demonstrated you know ability. You know, so if I if I if I've done it before at a high level, then I should be I should have confidence, or I can have confidence in a player that I've seen him do it. He's demonstrated that ability to do that to the standard, um, and so um, that's why the, the preparation for the the week is so important because we have to make the practices as much as we can. We can't kill the guys. I mean, you know, we got to get the guys to the game. But we have to make them. As as, uh, as game like as possible in terms of the speed and the intensity, and then kind of like the atmosphere and how we coach the guys, so that um, we can have com- the players can gain confidence by saying, "Hey, if I can do it in practice, you know, um, to the standard, then I should be able to carry that over to the game." And then we can have confidence in the player saying, "He's demonstrated the ability to do that, you know, and take it to the game." And so when you have rat trap, is when we have demonstrated that we can do that, but we don't do it in the game. You know, so um, and like I told, the, I told the team, I said, listen, every coach in America right now is trying to figure it out. You know, this week, every, everyone in America is having the meetings today and Monday practice uh, and introducing, you know, the team to the next opponent. And everyone's 18 and 22 years old, and we all got it. And, and so that's where the rubber meets the road, like preparing your football team. You know that's what that's what we're that's what we're here to do. That's what we that's what we're doing right now. We're right in the middle of it. I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting back to it. And I'm done here. Thank you so much. Appreciate you covering the team. Enjoy the rest of the week. And uh, apologize to my mom in advance. Thank you. Oh, Tucker apologizing to Mrs. Tucker, hoping his mom was not watching the press conference today. Nothing to do with the fact that Michigan State is coming off a loss, but because he used a few colorful words during that press conference. After all, he did say he took the loss to Washington personally. So it's Michigan State and Minnesota this weekend, and boy, have the Gophers been good. Three straight wins by at least 38 points. First time they have done that in more than a century. They're second in all of FBS football in total yards per game and total yards per game allowed, perhaps most impressive, They are rushing for more than 310 yards per game. 
But now the competition level gets much more difficult. After easy wins over New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado, it is Michigan State this week on the road, 3.30 Eastern game that you can see right here on Big Ten Network. Let's head to the Twin Cities. Here is Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck. All right, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. Uh, opening statement, I'll start with kind of an extension of what I talked about after the game. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell suffered a lower leg injury, and uh, he'll have surgery on Wednesday, so that'll end his season. So he's got a season-ending injury. Um, we're going to appeal to the NCAA, uh, apply for a seventh year, uh, and that'll be up to his family and him whether he decides to do that or not. Uh, he's a huge member of this football team, will continue to be a huge member of this football team. His leadership is second to none, and we're going to need that from him uh, as we keep going uh, through Big Ten play here. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, your heart breaks for him because he's worked incredibly hard. But we have a lot of people on this football team, and Chris would tell you the exact same thing. There's a lot of people on this football team uh, here in year six that can make a ton of plays for us. And uh, I think you've seen that in the first three games, the distribution of the football and the ability for a lot of these guys to be playmakers. And, uh, you know, if this happens, you know, maybe three or four years ago, uh, maybe in a different, you know, it has a different vibe. Uh, but again, there's a lot of guys who can make a ton of plays. Chris is a major leader on this team, and he will continue to be a major leader of this team. And uh, I know he's really uh, anxious uh, to, to get the surgery on Wednesday and, and start moving towards rehab and, and getting better. And that's going to be the, the main focus for him. So heart goes out to him and his family, and heart breaks for him. Uh, because, again, they, these young people, it's football. I mean, you all saw the play. And when you watch the play over and over, you still can't see it. It's not, there's not a twist. There's not a turn. It just goes. And uh, that's football. And uh, there's nothing you can do to avoid it. He plays the game the right way, the hard way. And uh, he's a huge member of this football team. So, again, applying for a seventh year for him, which he'll be eligible for because it happened so early. And, uh, but that decision will be up to him and his family. But right now, I know his focus is on getting that surgery on Wednesday, and then uh, his focus will, again, still turn to Michigan State as well because, again, huge leader and a huge member of this football team. So there's the opening statement for today. With that, open up for questions. EJ, how, how, uh, how is he handling it? You know, I, I mean, it, it, one thing I love about this team is it means, it, it means a lot to everybody. And when you're a really connected team, you've poured a lot into each other. Uh, you poured a lot into the team. You poured a lot into football off the field. So obviously, when you're in there and and you're in there, right after the game, you know you're going in, and then you know we we, we meet back over here in our facility with the doctors and his family, and uh, you know you get the news. Um, you know, I mean, he responded the way that you 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 you'd see somebody respond with really hard news, you know. But it didn't take him long to you know to wipe those tears away, and his mind was already on what he's going to do and accomplish and come back with. I come back from, um, and that's what row the boat's all about. You, know, you take it in, you process it, take a deep breath, put your oar back in the water, and go. And uh, that's what he he's done. Uh, you know, I had a great conversation with him right prior to this, uh, this because I was going to tell him what was going to well, what we were going to discuss and how I was going to discuss it with him. And you know, he gave me permission to talk about it. And uh, but he's doing great right now. You know, I think he's looking forward to the surgery on Wednesday. We've got the best doctors in the country, and uh, you know he'll. He's looking forward to the game on Saturday. I know that too. Jay, with uh, talking a little bit about the environment situation you're going into at, at Michigan State, I know Coach Tucker has really encouraged a really rabid fan base there, and they're coming off the Washington game. When you got to figure that they're pretty upset about that. Really, a motivated football team Saturday when they, when they play the Gophers. 
How does it help? Could you talk a little bit about how does it help you from the standpoint of having a mature football team and a team that's a, a player-led team like you've talked about? Yeah, I mean, the great thing about college football, you get 12 guaranteed opportunities, some home, some away. Uh, but you need to prepare for all those things before they're actually here. You know, we've been preparing to go on the road since January uh, in the hostile and, and chaotic environments we create for our players, you know, whether that's winter conditioning or whether that's spring ball or whether that's uh, in the summer training camp practices that you're all at every single day. Um, you, know, you can see how we practice within that chaos. Um, we know it's going to be a hostile environment. We know that. Um, you know, they're a very traditional football team. They've got a great fan base. Um, got a wonderful stadium. Uh, we know it'll be loud, uh, and uh, we'll be prepared for that. PJ, uh, we've been through a lot of season-ending injuries um, with this program. What did you take from Moe's injury last year that happened at a similar time and how you kind of direct and message the team when, when you lose such a key player? Well, I think what you have to do is you've got to show them it happens to everybody first and foremost. You know, you look in the National Football League yesterday, I mean, a quarterback, you know, two quarterbacks I think are done for the year. Uh, multiple other people across the league are done for the year. It's football. This, this is very different than a lot of other sports that are not violent contact sports where injuries, is it, it, it's not if it's going to happen to you, it's when and to who, right? And I, I, we want to constantly have this perspective for our players that it happens. Don't just be in this little bubble, think it's just this or just us, or we're the only one that ever goes through it. But here's how we're going to be trained to respond to it. And I think our players have done an outstanding job with that. Um, you know, their heart hurts and, 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 and breaks for crab too, but they also know that, you know, we're deeper than we've been. We've got playmakers everywhere, and they know that Chris is going to be a major part of what we do, even if he's not on the field. This isn't, this isn't the National Football League. This isn't IR and go home. Um, you know, even that, I mean, I was put on IR. I didn't go home. And that, whether people wanted me to go home or not, I wasn't going home. Uh, I was going to be there coaching people, be around the team, and that's the type of environment we have here. And uh, I don't expect anything less than, from, from Chris, and, and he knows that, and the team knows that. Through three weeks, what have you learned about your offensive line, and where do you want to see him grow entering Big Ten play? Well, I, I, I said before, I thought John Michael Schmitz, Brian Callahan, you know, and I think all of them deserve a lot of credit for how fast they've gelled together. Um, you know, I think we have, like any offensive line, we have some strengths. We have some things that we have to continue to get better at, especially the consistency and what we play with. Um, but uh, right now, I mean, uh, you know, we want to be 1-0 in every championship season. But we've been able to do some things that we really wanted to do in the run game. Uh, but also, there are some things that we have to get better at technically, fundamentally, uh, cohesively, uh, where it's one of the only positions where it's a position that works together. But, you know, you can still run a wrong route and go through your progression and still get to the reads two, three, and four, right? One guy doesn't do something right cohesively up front, and you're in trouble fast, right? Um, but I love, I love how they've gelled together. I like how connected they are. Uh, but fundamentally in the techniques, pad level, uh, finish, uh, we got to keep getting better in those areas. Not to say we're bad at those areas, but we have to keep getting better in those areas. What's your assessment from three games in Michigan State tape? Well, this is the interesting thing about college football right now. Uh, you know, and this is a top 10 team last week, top 11 team, whatever it was, right? Um, and then this week, some, they're in the poll and then they're out in the poll, right? In one poll, not in the other poll. It's still early in, in college football. But they are a Mel Tucker coached Michigan State tough football team. Uh, and you can see it. The, the DNA is across every player that they have. Uh, they've got skill positions. They've got four or five skill players and probably way more than that. 
They got a guy that plays basketball for him, making plays on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think one of their best players is coming back this week, I'm sure. Um, but they've got wideouts galore, tight ends that are can block, are incredibly athletic, making freaky catches. Uh, they've got a quarterback who's played a ton of football, who's got a ton of moxie, uh, who's got great leadership, got great control of the offense, plays with incredible passion and emotion, um, and really is a heartbeat of that team. And up front, they've got a ton of experience back on the left side, uh, and they're, they're playing really well. Uh, but when you look at the Washington game, it was just a few series early where they got behind. If it wasn't just a few series or a few execution things, uh, it's interesting how that game would have turned out. Uh, but they're a very good football team. They're a dangerous football team. Very well-coached football team, disciplined football team, deep football team. And then you look defensively, and, I mean, their front seven is long. They're athletic. They're experienced. They're very strong. One thing I'll say about they're a very, very strong defensive front. Uh, and they've got I mean, one of their corners is 6'3", almost 6'4". They got length, size. Um, special teams are consistent. So uh, this is a very good football team that we're going to play. We know that. But just like we say every week, you know, with all due respect to everybody, you know, we've got to play our best football and execute the game plan that's made for the Michigan State season, period, and uh, find a way to be 1-0. and um, We have a ton of respect for their coaching staff, ton of respect for them as coaches, them as a program, their fan base, what they've been able to do over the last few decades uh, is really impressive. Um, you know, but we have to take care of us. We can only control us. Daniel Jackson returned from his injury. How, how do you feel he played and how is he progressing? I thought he played really well for what we asked him to do. He was on a pitch count. Uh, you know, he's not on a pitch count anymore. Uh, it's, it's kind of ironic, you know, uh, crabs hurt and then we get Daniel back. But when you look across, there's, there's four or five wideouts who've all caught passes this year, all have played football before and a ton of football and can all make plays. Um, so, again, they're going to be uh, relied upon. But when you – I said this at our, 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 my press conference uh, after the game when I said you kind of look across the board, six different wideouts or six different people caught passes, and we didn't throw the ball a ton. The week before, it was even more than that. You know, from the tight ends to the running backs to the wideouts, we have more depth at those positions than we've had in, the, in years past where it's not just one guy uh, that is the focal point and then everybody's a supporting cast. Everybody can be the focal point. And that's what this team offensively has to understand. And my message to them was that, that you know, you might be the guy that catches 12 passes in a game. You might go a, a, a game with one catch or zero catches. It just depends on what the defense is giving us. Um, but that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good problem to have for us, that we have a lot of guys playing at a high level offensively that are showing that they can make the plays in the pressure of the moment and the pressure of the situation. PJ, three games into the season, what do you like most about the way your defense is playing? Uh, one, one, they're playing together, and they're playing incredibly hard, and they're playing uh, assignment sound. You know, uh, Smarter players are better players usually, right? And we have a really smart defense. Uh, they understand the calls. They understand why the calls are that way. Uh, and, you know, it, it helps having Mariano Sori Marin in the middle, who's basically a defensive coordinator on the field. Um, you know, he can make a lot of things right really quick. Because a lot of people, with, especially last week, with the shifts and the motions, there's a, and then you, you add, you know, uh, tempo to that. That can be very difficult, especially with the calls being made. And at, at times, depending on what your defense can handle, that can vanilla you up pretty quick. Uh, and they can keep you in that defense. And, and like I said, vanilla you up. And, uh, we don't have we we're not we don't have that. Uh, we have guys that can handle calls, change calls, make calls, switch it on the run, and we know everybody's going to be where they need to be. Now, do we need to play better? Absolutely. Like if you were in that meeting yesterday in our leather vest meeting, um, I'm sure probably sure you wouldn't think we played very well. But it's not the score we measure, right? It's how we played. And as a coach, you're you know, 
you know, I think Hugh McCutcheon always says that we're perpetually disappointed, you know, as coaches. And I think that was one of his all-time statements, right? And he says it in an accent different than mine. Uh, but he's right because as a coach, you're always taking from where somebody is and you know they can accomplish that, but then you're taking them somewhere where they haven't been yet or they, they, they haven't showed they can do consistently. And so you're constantly learning from either yourself or from other people what you have to get better at. So that's what I respect about our defense right now. And, you know, you're only as good as today. And we got to change our best and, and have a, a wonderful day of preparation. Probably an understatement to say that <clears throat> Michigan State will be the most physical team you've played so far. How do you, how do you get ready for that during this week? Well, I, I would say that, you know, we're pretty physical as well. Uh, and we've been playing against each other since spring practice. And I told you before, as we went into this, knowing what kind of schedule we'd hit towards Big Ten play, if you go back uh, to other press conferences I've had, I said this is the most physical spring ball we had, the most physical training camp we've had, knowing that we were going to prepare for this. If you're preparing for this in Michigan State now, I mean, I mean it's, it's going to be a long day. You better be preparing for Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Those types of teams back in spring ball, uh, in training camp, and, you know, we did more good on good in training camp and spring ball than we ever have in our six years, knowing what kind of slate we were going to have this year, uh, especially once we get into Big Ten play. What have you seen from Brevin to become a, a complete tight end? Well, he's becoming a, a complete tight end. You know, we showed him a clip of um, Jerry Rice uh, last week talking about how the announcer said to him, he go, when did you know you mastered the wide receiver position, the interviewers? And he goes, I never mastered the wide receiver position. Who said that? He goes, I still haven't mastered the wide receiver position. There was always something I could get better at based on coaches pointing out what I could do. And he said he always respected that. He always respected the coaches that showed him what he wasn't. He knew he was good, and they knew he was good. But what wasn't I good at that particular week? You know, have the nerve to tell me that. You know, have the confidence to tell me that. Even though I'm Jerry Rice, tell me that so I can get better, so I can be a better version of Jerry Rice. We showed our team that uh, in our leadership council last week, and when they all kind of take it personally, like, what can you be better at? What can you take from this actual clip? And Brevin's a great example of that. Brevin's playing at a high level. But, you know, Brevin also has to, you know, finish a catch that turns into an interception, right? Brevin's got to be able to finish some blocks that he knows he can finish. His pad level's got to get lower. His first step can get better. His hand placement can be better. But he's playing at a high level. He's got to know that, too. Part of coaching, sandwich coaching, you know, give him something to get your attention, which is positive, right? Saying something positive to somebody is better than saying something negative to somebody. It's going to get their attention a little bit more than just ignoring it. Give them the meat of what you actually want to teach them in the middle. 
and then give them a little encouragement on the way out. But the meat of what, what you really want is in the middle, and they're willing to listen to it if you draw them in with something positive. So Brevin's come a long way. I think you've all watched Brevin's development from maybe a, a basketball kid. You know, will he ever get big enough? He's so athletic. You know, what will he be? So many unanswered questions. Will we offer him? You know, uh, how many times does he have to come to camp? That was one of the questions his family asked his mom. How many times does he actually have to keep coming to camp before we offer him? Um, and I said, one more. You know, just I kept saying one more. Just one more. Just one more. Uh, but you could see that in him. And that's what I appreciate about him most is he's willing to change his best. He's willing to know that he is getting better. And that humble and confident part about him is, is balanced. You know, he's humble enough to know that, you know, I got to get better. But he's confident enough to know I am getting better. And I can see it. And uh, we need him, you know, uh, not only him, but we need Nick and we need Jameson and our tight ends. He can keep playing better. PJ, with a couple of big victories over the last few weeks, you've been able to get the younger guys in there. What have you seen from them and that has impressed you so far? I'm impressed with our young players. Uh, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation, right? Because you get, you're really impressed with a lot of the youth talent that you have, but you know how far away you are to actually maximizing that potential. Not only that, when guys go in to take reps, it shows you how far off or how close they are to getting the concepts that we're actually coaching and teaching fundamentally and schematically. Uh, and again, the expectation of them is you're in the game, so the standard is the standard. So you're dealing with that, plus an expectation of probably, they're probably not going to play as well as the starters. And then a reality, is that going to meet that uh, up to that expectation? And that's where frustration comes in. And so you're doing everything you can to eliminate that frustration because you're putting them in there to gain that experience but keep that standard really high at the same time, right? And so you, you have to continue to guide them and, and, and nurture them through the week to let them know, like, listen, you're not going to get it all today, but you can control your effort. You can control how hard you play. You can control the hustle mistakes. You, you, know, you can control all that, and that's what I want to see. I want to see them playing fast. And when we go in there, you probably haven't seen a ton of exotic calls um, you know, when they've got opportunities, I just want to see them play. Um, and I, I'm impressed with a lot of our youthful talent, uh, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I've said that before. I said that in week one. I said, you look out there, and this is no disrespect our ones, but some of those young freshmen physically look like they're the ones when they roll out there as, you know, 18-year-olds. And that's what you want to see as you keep developing and building a program and recruiting. PJ, what, is, what are the first three games in the film show on the – level that John Michael Schmidt is playing at? Well, he's playing at an incredibly high level. Can he play higher? Absolutely. Again, same thing. It's, it's that humble and confident part. He's a very confident player, but he knows he can always improve. He knows he hasn't mastered it. Uh, but he is such a student of the game. I mean, it, it, you give, a, give us 100 John Michaels. I mean, just in terms of, you know, give us 100 Mariano Sori Marins. I mean, I could say that about the majority of our football team uh, because they work so hard at the mental aspect of the game uh, this, the, being the student of the game, understanding the why of the game, and, and then truly taking a deep dive into themselves. I mean, we're on the practice field a very short amount of time yesterday, and, and we end. I mean, it's an hour later. I look outside there. I mean, we have pizza. My, I have, two of my pieces are gone. I don't eat a lot of pizza on Sunday night. It's not good for you. And, uh, but as I look out there, I mean, there's still you know, 40 guys on the field an hour after our uh, – by themselves working on their craft, you know, not physically exerting themselves like running sprints or running 50 routes because they understand why we practice the way we practice and why we load them the way we load them and what rest actually looks like. 
but there's still half the football team out there working on unrequired work an hour after we get done last night. I mean, that's, that's what I mean about, that's why this team is so fun to like and be around and, uh, they deserve everybody's best and, uh, they're getting it from everywhere. And, uh, I think that's a credit to them. Final one for coach or is everyone all set? You look at the safety experience you have there. What does that do for schematic possibilities just in the back end, you know, with their experience level? Yeah, I think their experience level and the corners experience level, um, even the guys that, that came here have played a ton of football, maybe not at this level. Well, you know, Beanie and Ryan, the transfers that come in, and you look at, you know, Flip, you look at seven, eight guys in that secondary, they've all played a ton of football. Um, you know, that definitely helps you. Uh, it, it helps each week that you can do some different things. It doesn't have to just be one thing or they can't handle this or this person won't be able to handle that uh, they can handle a lot and they want a lot one thing about this team is they want to be challenged and at the safety position i mean there's two guys that are incredibly confident back there uh, but they want to be challenged at the same time and not only that they compete with each other every single day they're incredibly close jay howe and and tyler newbin uh, but they compete with each other every day and it's fun to watch it because uh, they've got a great presence about them and they love football. They love their teammates. They love getting better. They love the process of getting better. They love the work. Uh, and that, that, again, that just keeps coming back to why this is such a fun team to coach. Win or lose, like this is a fun team to coach because the ability to, to take them to a different level um, is way better. It's easier because they want to get there and they're willing to do all the unrequired work themselves. All right, appreciate everybody's time. Roll the boat, Sky. Michael Gophers, thanks. P.J. Flex saying his team likes challenges. They'll have one for the rest of the season. Chris Ottman-Bell, top wide receiver on this team, done for the year. Lower leg injury expected to have surgery later this week. The Gophers will seek a seventh year for Ottman-Bell from the NCAA, and that will be up to the man they call Crab and his family to see if they'd like to seek that seventh year. David Gilroy from the three. 
they lost some really good wide receivers last year, yet it doesn't appear that there's a bunch of a drop-off. Can you talk about how much stress it appears they are putting on defenses right now with everything they can do both in the run game and spreading the field with their receivers? Yeah, I think that's the, you know, kind of in, in the question is the answer, you know, and certainly uh, he's a heck of a quarterback. And, and I think they've got a lot of good players around him and they do a great job of, of kind of threatening and using the whole field, you know, and, and do it in the, in the run game, do it in the passing game. You know, a lot of respect for the coaches and, and what they do and how they do it. You know, it's, it's one thing just this is their scheme, but, but their players understand it and you see that. And, uh, and that allows them to truly go out and play. And, and I think that's what they're, they're doing really well. Paul, it appears as though Graham is playing some of the most consistent football of his career here to start the season. Can you share, are there a couple of areas that you think he's improved the most or where you feel like he's grown since even spring ball when you wanted to see him take a jump? Yeah, I think that he's, uh, you know, he's trusting in himself. He's trusting what he's seeing and he's, he's trusting those around him, you know, and, and, um, and I think he's, you know, he's playing the game. You know, and each week uh, you're going to see something new. This week we'll see something different, and that's always a, a new test, new challenge. But I think if you were to su summarize it, you know, he's uh, he's playing the game right now, and and I think he's not trying to do it all on his own. He's uh, letting those around him help him, and and that part's been good. Let's talk. Obviously, Ohio State's offense has been really high powered for the last few years. What stands out about their defense now with the new coordinator and stuff? Yeah, I think they're, you know, one, it's obviously, you know, he's, he's got a good scheme and knowing about him and, and certainly respect him. But again, I go back to what we're talking about offense. The players understand. I think they play to their strengths, you know, and, and they've got good players on defense, the guys that can can make plays and, and uh, looks to me like they, they trust him to do that and put him in positions to do that. Um, and so it's a it's a good good football team, you know, offensively, defensively, and you certainly see it on special teams. Paul, you've seen Ryan Day in this conference for the last you know five five years as a head coach and a couple more years as an offensive coordinator. They've obviously had a ton of talent on offense, but what's he do as a play caller that makes it tough to defend what they do? I think that uh, you know I don't know this, but from looking at it and, and watching it. You know, I feel like you know he's got a system, you know, and there's a rhyme or reason to it. And I think that uh, certainly understands it, and the players understand it, and so can find the find the cheats. You know, if you're doing something to to take away something or make it harder on something, that he he knows where the where the cheats are. It's you know, again, it's uh, it's just sound, really good football. And I think you know, credit to him. I think that's what's impressive is that. Um, I think that's that's what he allows them to do, and he, he's built it so they can do that. Paul, after the, the Washington State game, when we talked to Jim Leonard, he, he talked about how Washington State stressed the defense, you know, putting guys in space, one-on-one -on -one yep. tackles. It, does Ohio State do the same thing to people, and do you think you're, you guys are better prepared having faced Washington State because of that? Yeah, I think, you know, are we – Better prepared. I mean, I think experiences help you certainly, and um, you know, I think that they do do a good job of because they can make you defend 
the whole field. And and there is, you know, get good players, and so there's a good threat, you know, in the passing game, you know, all across the field and and in the run game. So I think in 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 those ways, yeah, they are they have the ability absolutely to to stress you and and. And when they do, you know, when the when the ball declares, we got to get as many hats to it as we can. But you've also got a responsibility, and you got to play your responsibility. You got to trust that the other guys are doing theirs. And then when when it declares, you got to get as many hats to the ball as we can. Paul, with the tight ends, uh, you know, with Clay and, and Hayden getting some touches through receptions. You know, obviously with Graham too, they're they're all roommates. How does that dynamic as roommates? How can you know from your experience as a player as an also a coach? How does that influence the dynamic between them on the field, if any? You know, I, I think that you know certainly when you uh, when you room together, you you've got a uh, a closeness, and yet um, I know there's a lot of guys that don't room together that are certainly close, and and what you want to do is you want to play with guys you care about and. And guys that you can trust, and and so whether it's specifically like you're mentioning, you know, when you room with them, I think there certainly is that component to it. But I think it's uh, it goes bigger than that too. Paul, um, excuse me, uh, Strauss obviously been a, been a guy that's you know defenses have had a hard time getting a hold of. I guess just can you speak to you know what's going to be key to at least making him a little uncomfortable uh, when when you guys face and what's going to kind of go into that. Yeah, I mean, it. it uh, a lot of times it comes down to you, you've got to you got to execute and you got to play, you know. And and, and every game, and this game is no different. There's going to be uh, a lot of one-on-one battles, and can you win those one-on-ones? And, and that's, I think, what it comes down to. And and I think, I don't care. You know, we're asked about Graham. You talk about, you know, CJ, any quarterback that has time and. He's comfortable. It's a, the the world's a little bit easier for him, you know. And so I think it comes down to, you know, every, all eleven guys got to got to do their part, and and someone's gonna, in those moments, someone's got to win the, the matchup. Well, we've seen you guys with Jim putting him in the slot, and it seems like in football in general, better receivers are, or maybe different sized receivers are playing in the slot more often. What are some of the advantages that you've found over the years of having a receiver that's maybe not that smaller, quick guy in the slot that used to be that way? Just what are some of the advantages of mixing it up in there? Yeah, I think that it uh, probably could be a lot. I mean, you know, the historically you had, you know, could you get a, a guy that's got real quick feet and can he separate? And you, and you certainly still value that. Um, and then I think you look for – you know, a guy that can can handle that. You know, and and there's an, you know, so much on everyone's plate. And you know, who's the guy that feels comfortable in there and, and kind of has an idea. And I think experience helps you, kind of with uh, understanding spacing and, and understanding, um, you know, zones and and the holes and and how do you win on different leverages and in man to man. And and so I think that you know, big part of it is. How do you get experience in there, you know, and then guys that can, that are equipped to to deal with a number of different things that you see. Kind of following up on that, I mean, after last season you lost Jake at tight end, you lost two really good wide receivers, and Chim was your only experienced receiving threat coming back. Did you have questions or concerns coming in 
you know, who's going to step up for us? How are we able to spread the ball around it? And what have you seen, uh, again, only through three games? Right. I think you're always, uh, anytime that you've, you've got a, a, you know there's going to be new faces. There's, uh, there's certainly, you know, we've been around them and, and they hadn't necessarily had a lot of game experience. But you were able to tell and, and, and know what they were capable of. And and then it's, you know, you want to see then how they handle different moments. You know, how do you handle um, spring ball? And then it goes, uh, you know, what can you learn from spring and, and work on in the summer? And then, you know, how did they grow from spring to fall camp? And then, you know, whether it's situations you have in fall camp and now that we've got some games under their belt, right, you're, you're just continuing to keep finding out about, uh, guys that that haven't played a lot in games and and I've always liked the way the group has worked and, and Elvis has done a nice job of of coaching them and helping them and and so I think that you're you're uh, you know it's now it's been good to start to see you start to get enough uh, background on them enough game experience that I believe they can all contribute in, in a lot of ways I feel like they've all done some good and I think there's all for all of them, there's still room for growth, and we just got to keep growing. Two-part question on Isaac Rendo. Um, is his performance so far maybe giving you your giving consideration to get him more involved? And also, how's his speed? Is it back to where it was? Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I've appreciated what what Isaac's done. You know, to to get himself here, and, and absolutely, I think you know what he's done has been. I've been really really happy for him and happy for our team to see, you know, I think he's playing with confidence and, and certainly, you know, especially a guy coming off an injury, you, you sometimes wonder on the physicality part of it. And, and from the first day that he went, you know, didn't question that at all. And, and, and I think that his speed is, is coming. You know what I mean? I think it's all that. I don't know. And, and uh, he, he's, he's looked good. And I think that, he, you know, there's certainly a guy that, that we trust. And, and you want it no matter what type of situation it is. You've mentioned Graham, but I was wondering the relationship with Bobby, how has that kind of been a factor and how do you kind of see that relationship develop over the course of the off season heading into the year? Yeah, and I think it's been very positive and, and certainly, uh, you know, I know that Graham has, Graham has always wanted anything that can be of help, you know, and, and uh, we'll take the time and is uh, is open for any any interaction. And some of it has to deal with directly with football and some pertains probably is applicable to football and some probably not at all. And, uh, and I think the same can be said about Bobby, you know, any way that he can help. And uh, I think it's been very positive. Paul? You talking about Isaac earlier, but looking at Braylon and Chez and Isaac as a trio, they've all had varying degrees of success this season already. Just how are you seeing them bond or work off each other, whether it's success or even on the sideline, if there's feedback to be given about what they see or don't see? Yeah, no, I think they're uh, they're truly <clears throat> they're they're in it together, and and it, they will help each other in every possible way. I think that they all believe that they can uh, complement each other. You know, I think all three are, are different 
And I think they recognize that and kind of value that. And I think all three realize too that uh, when all three of them are on, we're a better team. Paul, do you enter this week thinking you might do that same right side rotation on the offensive line, or does it just kind of depend how practice goes this week? Yeah, I think a big part of it is, you know, practice, you know, and, and uh, we're able to get, you know, more practice with, you know, certainly Bort. You know, he was limited early and kind of kept coming, so that'll that'll help there. And, and uh, you know, the same we said with kind of where we're at with the kicking situation. Any of those, you know, they're kind of tied in with an injury. You, you kind of want to see how the week plays out. All right. Sorry, Paul. I know, like, in the spring, Bob Bostad talked about kind of trying to home in each lineman to a particular spot, but with Trey Wadig and just how he's been able to be utilized, you know, second-team center, but also he was at right tackle, and he's played the guard spots. Just what does that speak to Trey and his willingness to do what's needed on the line, but also his versatility? Yeah, I think just that. You know I mean? He is, one, he's willing, and two, he's capable, and – Probably most importantly is that I don't think that it's been negatively affecting him. You know, that uh, you never want to be uh, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, and I think he, his demeanor is such that he's able to uh, to truly focus in and, and uh, doesn't get too caught up in kind of where am I at. And, and he can still kind of hone in on the, the, the fundamentals that are applicable. Certainly they're different, right? When you're playing center, it's different. Uh, than a tackle and, and, you know, in camp he's played guard. I mean, there's a lot of things he can do, and, and I think that's also, um, you know, he, part of the reason why he's put himself in that position is he is capable of that, and he has been playing uh, playing well for us in, in many instances, and therefore, you know, when you, you go to it, we want to have as much as you can. You'd love to have stability across the board, but you also want to have the ability to get – your best players on the field, and I think he's kind of truly in the in the middle of all that, right? He's he's a player that's earned himself a right to be playing, and and at times it comes at different spots. All right, thank you. And while there was no drama for Wisconsin and its weekend win, same cannot be said for Indiana. Hoosiers outscored Western Kentucky 20-6 in the fourth quarter and overtime, including a late two-point conversion and the game-winning field goal by special teams player of the week, Charles Campbell. All adds up to a 3-0 record for Tom Allen and the Hoosiers. Forget about 2021, now a distant memory. For IU, this team will have a chance to go 4-0 this coming week on the road. Remember, still a non-conference play this week because they opened up with a Big Ten game against Illinois, that 23-20 win. It is Cincinnati this week on the road, the second half of the home-and-home against the Bearcats. All things Indiana football now as we head to Bloomington. Here is Tom Allen. I just want to welcome everybody here today. And uh, once again, very proud of our football team continue to find ways to, to win and finish out games and, and uh, um, just really proud of, of Charles Campbell, uh, named the special teams Big Ten Player of the Week, and rightly so, with four field goals and you know, the obvious one at the end to win the game <clears throat> in overtime from 51. And uh, just his mental toughness and didn't kick well last week and just came right back and 
was was clutch for us and has been for for several years now. So, but uh, I uh, also in our team meeting this morning got a chance to recognize Sean Ratcher. I said, Sean, did anybody carry you off the field or get any pictures with people after the game? And he said, No. I said, Well, there you go. I said, You were the key to the whole thing because if without that snap, there would be no kick. But uh, he understands his role. So, but no, he does a phenomenal job. He's so consistent. And uh, as well as James, the holder, all those guys, the protection up front, everything matters. Everybody, you know, focuses on the kicker, which there's, he obviously has to kick the ball through the uprights. But, uh, you know, the best team is who wins on game day. And so those guys did a great job being great teammates and doing their job and allowing us that opportunity to be able to, to get that field goal. So just uh, proud of our guys and just uh, be able to show some grit and, and uh, fight. And uh, that's a huge, huge thing. So, but uh, just also want to recognize our players of the game. You know, we had uh, Caleb Murphy, offensive player of the game. And that's something our staff felt strongly about. And uh, uh, just because he was uh, um, not expected to play like he did in terms of the reps, but uh, with Carp going down during warm-ups and, and uh, being able to allow him to play all, all the snaps on offense and did a great, great job. So uh, really proud of him and defensively. Um, you know, Aaron Casey was our defensive player of the game. Just really proud of his progress and just development as a player and as a person. We already talked about him last week, but uh, just played his best football game, I believe, since he's been here. Cam Jones continues to play at a high level and uh, very, very productive. And again, a huge takeaway that he caused, but uh, just felt like that Aaron had earned that. And uh, I think um, Cam was the first one to, to congratulate him. So just that kind of a team we've got, which is awesome. And then special teams with with uh, Charles Campbell, but also Jalen Williams was also the co-special teams player of the game uh, with a key block uh, of their field goal in overtime, which was massive. And then he also was the one that downed the ball in the two-yard line uh, to, to pin him down uh, in, in, in exchange of playing very good complimentary football. We were able to um, get him on the two-yard line, force him to punt inside the five, and then and then going down and scoring a touchdown. So he was a huge part of that. And then also just his special teams play in general on all those were, were huge. So just proud of those guys for competing at a high level and uh, kind of keep getting better. We all know that. Uh, but uh, it's huge to be able to to uh, be resilient in, in, in late games, to be able to um, play our best football when it counts the most. Uh, really excited about this opportunity this week with Cincinnati. Coach Fickle's done a tremendous job. Uh, just really uh, impressive what they built there and uh, you know, playing a playoff team that, uh, at home. So great challenge, great opportunity uh, for us to be able to, to be on the road for our first road game of the season. And uh, just impressive what they've done. You know, they got a lot of guys back on offense, but a lot of new faces on defense, but still playing at a very high level, really good system, good scheme they have. Their players have been developed, you can tell. So the guys stepping in, they got some transfers stepping in as well and making a lot of plays for them. So it's just a very, very good football team. And I uh, saw that when we went and played Arkansas. And so uh, film, film is very obvious. So really uh, have to play our best football, have to play a complete game from start to finish and beyond whatever it takes. So appreciate that. Any questions? Talking about Caleb Murphy, I think there was like a video of him post game. He looked pretty emotional. Just, I mean, on the one hand, what does it mean for him being from generally this area, which doesn't produce a, a ton of, particularly where he's from, I think a ton of Big Ten level talent. And, and on the other hand, what does it, how does it elevate an offense, whether it's on the field in the moment or when you're able to kind of go back and, and review it later that a guy steps in so late notice like that and, and plays like he did? 
Yeah, I think it's just a huge thing, you know, and as you saw, his emotional response was very genuine and real, and it, just, it means so much to him to be um, part of this team, be a you know, football player here in Indiana, you know, being from so close and, and representing his whole community and, and just the pride he has in being from there and being able to um, just come here and, and, and just work his tail off to get to the, in this position, move, move positions, um, you know, from defensive line to offensive line. And, and uh, you know, he was the third-string center, you know, a few weeks ago. And, and then with Cam, you know, going down. And then, then obviously with, with the um, situation that happened on game day, you know, and that was nothing that anybody expected. Matter of fact, I was kind of shocked to hear it, you know, when we were in the locker room. They were getting ready to come out. So, but but uh, that's what you got to be ready to do. So we use that as an example. I talked to our whole team about that this morning. You know, just a few weeks ago, he's – Throwing the depth chart now, he's playing every single snap and special teams, you know, because he's a part of those as well. So um, just a great testament to him and how hard he's worked, how much he cares. And uh, But you can uh, you win a lot of games with guys that are smart, tough, dependable, and have a high, high care factor. And it means something for him to put that jersey on and represent his whole community, and and uh, that's a pretty awesome thing. Just sticking on that, how, how did Zach hurt himself? What is his injury and how, uh, what's kind of his prognosis and what's the situation with yeah, him? Yeah, it was something in his hand. You know, he's going to, you know, we're, we're still getting evaluated, trying to figure out how long it would be. It's not going to be season ending or anything like that, but it definitely is uh, something we got to deal with. And so, but then obviously, since he's a center, I'm snapping the football. So it is it's, uh, something with his hand that he's got to deal with, but uh, um, not, not anything that's, like you said, uh, super serious, but definitely for his position and what he does. Uh, could be something we're going to have to make adjustments with. So not expected, very, un, I mean, freaky, I guess it would be, say, freaky accident if that doesn't usually happen. I don't know if I've ever ever had this happen before in all my 30 years of that type of thing and, and that type of warm-up because we just did the same thing we always do. So, But uh, just it happened, and that's why you got depth, and that's why you developed guys. And So hopefully we'll know more here soon, getting him back with us. And, and uh, but yeah, just kind of a freak thing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Coach. How did you find Caleb Murphy at a 1A school like West Washington? How did that happen? Yeah, he came to camp, you know. And, uh, um, you know, he was a guy that uh, we had to project, you know, positionally. Um, I think we always felt like that uh, um, he's a – kind of a jumbo guy. We talk about jumbo defensive end. You know, those big guys could play tight end. He played offensive tackle for them. He was a high school wrestler. Actually started his whole wrestling. You know, he's one of those schools where they didn't have wrestling, and he wanted to – he's the one that kind of got it all started, you know, which is crazy, and then did really well. You know, so – but uh, – so, yeah, you have a it's, a – it's a little bit of a tougher evaluation because of an interior guy or a guy on line of scrimmage playing at that 
at that size of a school, sometimes it's hard to tell, you know, where he's at, but he comes to camp, and we liked what we saw from him. Weren't exactly sure what he was going to be yet, uh, but that planted the seeds, and I met with him and his family in my office, and uh, I just kind of knew, you know. We didn't offer him right away, uh, but I, I just knew he was, he was what we are looking for, you know, just uh, the passion, the toughness, the fight. You just talk to his high school coaches, the people there in his community, and which we do, and uh, you just had, you know, those internal qualities of, of just character and discipline and, and the high care factor. You kind of thought that's what you're going to get from him when he came here because it meant so much to him. He got emotionally in my office, you know, about how much he wanted to, to be here and play here. And so, but I, I didn't give him a scholarship right away for those first meetings, but kind of let the weeks go by and I actually had him at another camp. He went to a, a camp up in the Chicago area and we had our coaches there and so had this take a second peek at him and so we offered him in that exchange there so but uh I think it was just more of a gut feel that he's our kind of guy you know and uh, like I said we started him on defense and I think that's probably where you know he would have preferred to play when he first got here which we always had those conversations but he's always been like coach I'll play wherever wherever you want whatever you want me to do and uh so that kind of guy you know and but he always kind of felt like you know he's he's a good athlete you know that the center position kind of you thought would be a good projection for him one day, you know, um, and just like you said, the smart, tough, dependable guy that that position demands um, really kind of fits his personality. And if you talk to him about our staff, I mean, it's just like and it was unanimous that he would be the player of the game. You know, everybody loves him. Um, you just can't question his passion for this program and this university. And so that's uh, man, it's just neat to see guys like that, you know, be rewarded for for their perseverance even though he's still young you know and so but uh I uh, wasn't surprised that he played so well because he's going to give you everything he's got for 60 minutes and beyond um look like western kentucky got a long touch on the first half off a of blown coverage in the yeah. um, defensive backfield and it looked like you had a pretty passionate response after that play what was your message to them and how did you see them respond in the second half yeah, so just uh, a little frustrated for that question, but uh, just didn't communicate uh, with what we had called. And, and so had guys, one, they said they thought they saw one signal. And so we had some guys playing one coverage, other guys playing another. And so that was frustrating. But at the same time, it was just, we got to just calm down and they're going to go fast and just make sure you know the call. And we got, if we're all 11 guys, or on playing the same call, then good things happen. If half are playing one call, half are playing the other, and that's not usually a pretty good, you know, formula for success. So, uh, but yeah, they did some. Again, you knew they. You watch film. That's what they do. You get people in those situations, and they run. You know, they switch things up, and they make you have to react to those kind of things. So, but the tempo is really a, a big challenge. You know, even though we see it all the time, and and uh, is it still you got to defend it. And so, but I uh, didn't think we. Um, didn't communicate as well, you know, even on that, the, the second touchdown, the, the trick play that they ran was just like, you know, just poor communication. I, I could see it. I'm trying to scream and yell to get them to see it, and, and, uh, and they should have because of the way they have to align to run that. So just didn't think that was really um, at a high enough level without question. So just uh, just got to get it, keep, and we try to get those things cleaned up and get it fixed throughout the game and let our guys play fast. And our congratulations to Greg Schiano. It was a hard-fought win over Temple. Certainly not any type of offensive explosion, but a win is a win, and that's all Rutgers has done this year in making Schiano the winningest head coach in Rutgers history during his second go-round on the banks. Now it is time to continue to build on what they have done in the non-conference 
against conference competition. It's at home this weekend in FS1 game against Iowa. As good as the Rutgers defense has been this year, this could be a solid matchup against an Iowa offense that has certainly struggled at times. For more on that matchup, we head to Piscataway and listen in to Greg Schiano's weekly press conference. Hey, fellas. Thanks for coming out. Big big home game this week. Open up Big Ten play, so try to answer anything I can. Any update on Gavin? Yeah. Um, Gavin will be a game-time decision. We'll know as the week goes on. Defense, what stands out? Uh, very fundamentally sound. They know exactly what they want to do. Uh, very physical. Typical Iowa defense. Great, you guys are at 19 consecutive home losses in Big Ten play. It's, if it's not a record, it's up there as one of the longest streaks. I think you said at the end of last year that you would take a look at the discrepancy there between home and away in Big Ten play. Did you do any of that study in the offseason? And is, have you been able to find one thing that's been a struggle for you guys? at home in Big Ten play? No. I mean, we did look at it. I can't tell you that I know there's there's any one thing. You know, we'll keep looking at it. Follow up. How, to be able, how big would a win be to kind of just get that streak off your back, or is that something that you guys don't even think about? Uh, we just take every game one game at a time. We're trying to be 1-0 at the end of this, this week. So what's happened in the past, I think when people do that, you put yourself in a bad spot bad position start looking back or looking forward we're just here to chop the moment the offense overall this year it's I think you guys have ran it on first down 80 percent of the time is there any concern that it's kind of becoming a little bit predictable at all or hmm. not, not a concern no I mean I'm, I'm good you just have to we have to execute a little bit better. It's just what were some of those things you saw offensively that you'd like to fix? Well, there, there's several. Um, you know, I think some things happened that were part of it was technical, part of it was schematic. Um, and when I say technical, I mean technique. Um, and part of it was cultural, right? So they all throw all three things together, and you had kind of a perfect storm. But uh, we're moving, we're learning from it, and we're moving forward, and we need to because we have an opponent that's, uh, you know, as stout a defense as there is in the country. You passed Frank Burns for that record. I know you asked after you were talked about it after the game, but those first couple of years when you were building the first time around, how tough was it to win with everything that was going on and what you walked into? Was there anything you can say about those, that time? Yeah, that was a uh, that was a tough stretch. You know, the good thing when you're young. You don't know what you don't know, because if I knew what I knew, I don't know if I would have stuck it out. But uh, you don't know what you don't know, and you you just go hard as you can, and that's what we did as a staff and as a program. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get over the hump. But yeah, those are some that was some tough sledding back then, real tough. Your three and zero, but just the penalties these last few games—is this just early season mistakes that guys are making, or is there kind of a larger concern that this is going to, you know, hurt you once Big Ten play starts? Well, there's always a concern, you know. As I've told you guys, you know, those who've been around for for as long as I have, two old men in the room, Steve. Um, I don't ever want to be number one, 
and least penalized because I don't think you're trying hard enough if you do that. But I don't want to be down in the bottom either. Somewhere, somewhere in the, you know, obviously in the top half, but maybe more towards the top quartile. Um, we have too many penalties. Now, when you look at it, some of them are young players that haven't played. And uh, some of them are true freshmen that haven't played. You learn. You know, the, the whole thing that, I, you know, as I said to you last week, all of us, you're told don't touch the stove because it's hot, you're going to get burned, but sometimes you got to touch it. Hopefully that uh, we, we run out of those stove moments and we start cleaning things up. I got, I got a two-parter for you. First, what's your confidence level right now in Sean? As high as it could be. Yeah, we got we got the right guy to be our offensive coordinator. And just secondly, is there a moment when you get more involved in the offense if it continues to struggle? Has that happened yet? You know, I'm a as a head coach. You know, when I first started as a head coach, like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. And then later on, I became the defensive coordinator as the head coach and was very involved. At this stage. In, in my coaching career, I'm the head coach. So I oversee the offense, the defense, and the kicking game. But I'm not running any of the three. Um, I know I'm very, very confident in Sean and our offensive staff. As I told you at the beginning of the year, this is a young team in many ways. And some of it is chronologically young. Some of it is Rutgers young, right? But. If you, you can't have it both ways. If you truly believe the strength of your program is your culture, and then you bring people into your program that may not be chronologically young but are young to Rutgers, then we got to give it a little time. And, um, you know, when you take over the program in the, in the way we did, there's some things that are not quick fixes. And offensive line play is not a quick fix. We're getting better. But... Uh, take that and have a young quarterback, two young quarterbacks, you know, that neither one have played. You know, unfortunately, uh, our veteran quarterback was injured. Those are all things that uh, that factor in. I know this, that uh, we're getting better. Saturday was a tough, a tough outing, but we're getting better. I see it every day, and I'm, I'm confident that the path we're going on is going to get us where we need to be. Um, what I'm proud of is that our team found a way to win three weeks in a row. And... Uh, that's very important, right? and I said it after the game, but, you know, when you don't play your best game and you still find a way to win, that's, that's something to be said for your guys, for your, teammate, for your team, for your coaches, for everybody. So uh, I know exactly the challenge that's ahead of us this week, and uh, if we play anywhere close to the way we played offensively this week, it'll be, it'll be a lot worse. And so we, we all know we have to improve, and... Um, but I think there's that improvement will come. Greg, before the season, you said you expected Aaron Lewis to make a big jump, 11 tackles on Saturday. Are you seeing I can't, that? I didn't hear your question. I'm sorry. Uh, Aaron Lewis, you said you expected him to make a big jump before the season, 11 tackles on Saturday. Are you seeing that now? Yeah, I've seen it. You know, I think he's made kind of a steady climb. Aaron is a very, very good football player. He's explosive. He can, he can uh, make plays. So we need him to do that, and he's doing, he's doing what we need him to do. What do you feel like is kind of the biggest improvement that they need to make right now for you guys to get the offense overall closer to where it really needs to be? Yeah, you know, I wish it was one thing. You know, that would be that would be an easier fix. Um, but I do think there is some commonality on some of the things, right? We need to just continue to get better at what we do technique-wise. 
Uh, and that may sound like, well, why, can't, why don't you just do it? Because there's a lot going on. And then there's this other thing, this guy on the other side that's trying to kick your rear end in, you know. So there's a lot to get down for a group of guys that haven't played together. Um, but we're, 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 we're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident on that. Coach, can you talk about the progress that Noah Vedral's making in his injury return and where he is at at the moment? Yeah, he's he's in a, he's going to be a game time decision as well. So you know, it's kind of unsettling. You have two quarterbacks that are game time decisions. Uh, you know, thank goodness Evan is healthy, and um, you know we'll just prepare with who. As I said after the game Saturday, we we will prepare for wh whoever we have that the doctors tell us are going to be able to play. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be on the depth chart a handout? No, but yeah, we have one for sure. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, Greg, I, you haven't really benefited from the expanded stadium in, in a meaningful way since you've been back with COVID and, and, and the different situations. Is this kind of night what you had in mind when you pushed for that, the idea that this could be a, a 50,000-plus atmosphere, real college football atmosphere? Without a doubt, Steve, and I think uh, also – as we push, and I say we, Bob Mulcahy and I, and as you know, Steve, you know, we're not in the Big Ten without Bob Mulcahy pushing to get this stadium built. And uh, together, you know, our our partnership, I think, allowed that to happen. And um, getting into the Big Ten, that's the vision I had, is that we expand the stadium, we get into the Big Ten, and we have games like this that uh, – sell-out crowd, fans that are rabid, and a great opponent coming to town, and most of all, Rutgers stepping up and playing, playing the way that, uh, that we all want Rutgers to play. And um, that's why you do this. That's why I came back to put us in this position and to win these games. Are we ready? Well, who knows? We're going to find out. Um, again, I go back. At the beginning of the year, I told you where I knew we were. And I told you it was going to be a work in progress. Uh, Iowa's a different program. They're an established Big Ten program. Coach Ferentz is certainly, you know, the dean of the league, but he's one of the best coaches in America, period. And his program continually, there's consistency year in and year out. And uh, you know exactly what you're going to get. They play very hard. They're physical. They're technically sound. Uh, so it's a great challenge for our guys, a great challenge for our coaching staff. And uh, you put all that together and you throw it in this Saturday night, everybody wearing red to the game and packing the place. Uh, that's what college football is all about. Thank you, guys. See you Saturday. Not great to have quarterback questions when facing one of the best defenses in the country, but that's the situation this week for Rutgers. Both Gavin Wimsat and Noah Vedral, game-time decisions. Evan Simon, the only quarterback right now that Greg Schiano can say with certainty is good to go on Saturday night, would like to have the option of going to one of those other two men if that is a possibility. So as Rutgers comes off an important win, gets set for conference play, Purdue comes off a really disappointing loss. Second time this year that the Boilers have lost a game by four points or fewer, gave up a late touchdown in the final minute to Syracuse to lose on the road to the Orange, 32-29. Because of that week one conference game, Purdue will be out of conference again this coming weekend, hosting Florida Atlantic. It is a must-get-well game for Jeff Brom and the Boilers as we take you now to West Lafayette. Well, a lot to learn from the last game. 
Um, so before we can move on to Florida Atlantic, uh, you know, obviously we need to uh, clean up a lot of things uh, with our football team, and that's kind of what uh, this process has been since the last game. Uh, it was a long day yesterday. Um, without question, uh, penalties um, are hurting us, and you cannot win football games uh, with the penalties that we're getting. Uh, so that has to get fixed. Uh, that starts with me. Uh, I have to make sure that happens, and we all need to do a better job, including myself, with not making sure that uh, – we win the penalty battle. Um, also, we, um, you know, want to learn to keep our mouth shut and uh, just play football and, and play as hard as we can, play together, play as a unit, um, and let the pieces fall where they may. Uh, so those are things that we need to work hard to get better at. Uh, football is a tough physical, emotional game, and we got to make sure we control uh, our emotions at all times, no matter what's going on. Uh, we took uh, a lot of time yesterday as a team and. Uh, I sat down uh, in front of the whole team and staff, and we watched uh, all of our penalties uh, throughout the season, identified them, talked about them, uh, talked about what happened. Uh, it, wasn't matter, it wasn't a matter whether we agreed with it or not. It was a matter of how can we make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, you know, the 15-yard penalties, uh, the unsportsmanlike penalties, or the late-hit penalties are costing us. And then, quite honestly, a lot of defensive holding and pass interference calls are, are hurting us uh, quite a bit, uh, and they have in, in two key pivotal games. Uh, so we've got to, as coaches, look at exactly what we're teaching and make sure that uh, we may have to alter and adjust uh, what we're, we're teaching uh, to make sure that we're not getting those calls because we had two interceptions that we could have had uh, that were, were critical uh, that we didn't get. We had a third and 10 uh, on the last drive that we got called for a defensive holding the secondary away from the ball, which whether I agreed with it or our players did or not, it's called. Um, and, and those things are, are costly. So just a lot of identifying the, the issues, the problems, and making sure uh, we do our part uh, to get that fixed. If, as, as I told our team, if you look at our team last year, we averaged 4.4 penalties a game for 43 yards a game, and, that, and that's really good. And that's probably why we won nine games, uh, pure and simple, uh, that right there. Against Penn State, we had nine penalties for 92 yards. Against Syracuse, 13 for 138. So against good football teams uh, like Penn State and Syracuse on the road, uh, you're, you're not going to win those games. So those are the main things uh, that uh, we've got to work on, make sure it doesn't happen. And that starts with me, so i got to do a better job, much better job. And then now it's on to the next game. So we've got, uh, you know, from here on out, uh, we've got tough opponents every week. Starts with Florida Atlantic, who's athletic, uh, has played a lot of football. Um, and it's going to be a tough battle and a tough contest that we have to improve this week at all these small things that uh, mean a lot and make sure we're continuing to get better as a team. Uh, so that's going to be the, the focus this week. And uh, we're looking forward to, you know, um, getting back on the game field on Saturday. Yeah, Coach, obviously uh, it's going to be your last non-conference game uh, early on this season. Just uh, I guess. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes, what do you need to see from the team? Obviously, you mentioned fixing up penalties. But I, I guess including that, what else do you kind of need to see from this team uh, this upcoming week to be able to head into the rest of your Big Ten schedule? Uh, feeling good about it. Well, I like the fight of our team. We've been competing in every game. Uh, we've had the lead, and we've found a way to to fight for the lead and come back uh, in the fourth quarter, which shows the team uh, wants to win and means something to them, and they have a lot of fight. So that, that's, those are all positives. Now we have to figure out ways to execute better and make sure we're more efficient uh, while we're cleaning up all those things. So that'll be the main focus. Um, after this week, you're going to be faced with a tough schedule. Uh, three of the next four after this week are going to be on the road. Just how much are you going to be able to reflect on uh, this past week against Syracuse uh, as you kind of prepare for that? Um, heading into the rest of the season? Well, like I said, we, we know every game is going to be tough, and it starts with this week. This will be a tough opponent, and uh, if we don't do these things I've talked about, we're not going to win the football game. That's, that's, that's how football works nowadays. So, um, But we have to be man enough to, to make sure we communicate and talk about it and people understand what the issues are and, uh, and how it needs to be fixed. So right now the, the complete focus is on those things and getting ready for Florida Atlantic who has uh, really good athletes and good players uh, and they play good football teams so we're going to have to play well. Early in the week can you just give an update on the status of Brock Thompson and King Daru? Uh, I guess the protocol for them entering this week um, trying to get them back onto the field. Well we're doing everything we can to get them back healthy. Uh, Brock uh, I, I Probably doubtful, I guess, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where that goes. King, uh, we'll see how he progresses. So really those two are too early to tell. Uh, but, uh, you know, for guys that have been injured, I'm not optimistic until they prove to me that they can play because you, you really can't, you know, at this level not practice very much and, and, and play well. And uh, that's what we need to make sure we do as our guys get on the practice field and practice. Jeff, did you send any, any plays into the Big Ten office this week to, to have them look at? Yes, and there's been communication with me uh, on on multiple things uh, with the with the head of officials. Uh, so, you know, yes. And uh, just just your message to the team coming out of that game one and two. I know you want to say positive. So, what do you tell the team? I guess at FAU. I know you want to don't want to get beyond this weekend, but then you still have eight Big Ten games left, right? Well, that's how every year is. We've had a bunch of years here uh, where your backs are against the wall and you've got to find a way to win football games. And that's how it's really going to be every year. I mean, uh, to think that we're going to be able to walk through teams uh, ever uh, is not going to happen. You know, there's good football teams across the country, definitely in our conference. Uh, and if we don't play well and efficient and eliminate the, the issues we've had, we're not going to win any game. That's just that's how football works. And our guys understand that. At the same time, if you're able to – improve each week and get better at these things, anything can happen. Uh, so you just got to fight through it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, a tough, tough gauntlet of, of, of uh, teams every week, and uh, you've got to find ways to improve and get guys healthy and 
play uh, sound fundamental football and figure out a way to win the fourth quarter. And uh, through three games, we've in the two losses, we, we've had our chances to win. Uh, we didn't we didn't close and finish the game. Florida Atlantic, you coached there in 2009 under Howard Schnellenberger. Just talk about what Coach Schnellenberger meant to you, Jeff. I know he signed you out of high school in 1989 and sure has had a big hand in shaping you, not just as a player, but as a coach. Just, just talk about what he meant. Well, I think he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. I definitely wish uh, they would put him in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to do that. He's took a lot of programs that uh, – uh, weren't doing well, including Miami, uh, and, and brought him to, uh, to prominence. And it's because of his leadership, his work ethic. Uh, he was a football guy, a true football guy. Uh, he, he worked under Paul Bear Bryant, and that's how he ran his practices and uh, you know, won a lot of football games, a lot of places. Um, you know, was schooled under Coach Bryant and, uh, at the University of Alabama. Uh, was an offense coordinator for the Dolphins, the only undefeated season in NFL history. Uh, so he was under the Don Shula tree. Uh, and then, of course, you know, he took Miami uh, to a national championship when no one thought that could happen. And then, of course, he, he helped rebuild the Louisville football program. And he helped uh, start up the Florida Atlanta football program from nothing. And he just knows how to run a program. He knows how to do it the right way. With him, you got no nonsense. It was, uh, you know, he was a football guy that uh, loved the game. Uh, he was brash. He wasn't uh, scared to tell you what was going to happen. He knew how to build a team. He knew how to motivate a team. Uh, you know, to the public eye, he may have said some outlandish things about on the collision course with the national championship, all those things. But if you played for him when you took the field, doesn't matter who you played, after you listened to him talk and after you listened to him talk to the public and say those things, you actually believed you could do it. So you found yourself uh, able to win more games than you probably should because you played with confidence and uh, you didn't back down. So those are the main things. Uh, he treated me great as a player uh, and a coach. Uh, you know, him and his uh, family were, were really good people and, and they meant a lot to me. So definitely, um, uh, you know, any time I coach, you know, I think of a lot of things that he did and how and why he did it and, and try to do the best I can to emulate that. I know you don't. That's just a sample of Jeff Brom, and a lot of time spent talking about penalties, and here's why. Seven for 90 yards in the fourth quarter alone against Syracuse, and in three games so far this season, the Boilermakers have been penalized 25 times for 220 yards. Before finishing his press conference, Brom was asked specifically about a couple of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Flags that were thrown on Purdue late in that game proved critical in that loss to Syracuse. Last week again, um, did you think Payne merited that, that unsportsmanlike call, and, and do you think you did too? I, I guess I'm still really not sure what you did and what, what, what well, Payne Well, if you're asking my opinion, no, I don't think any were mer- those two were merited at all. Uh, and as you, as, you look at, as you look at the film, um, um, you know, we get, we get a 15-yard penalty on an extra point with 50 seconds left in the game when as you look at the film, the film shows – an extra point, a slight push of the other player into pain, and then both guys start jawing at each other, helmet to helmet. Not extensive, but it's it's jawing for maybe five seconds, and and then you see him start to separate on film, and then the film cuts off. At the time, the referee was moving that way, but hadn't thrown a flag. I assume he threw a flag after. Um, so I, at the time, I, I didn't know what the flag was for. I was trying to find out what what 
can you explain the call? Uh, I mean, we had a lull in action. Uh, you know, the, we just had an extra point. There's a commercial break. We haven't kicked off yet. So you would think someone would come explain the call to me. And, and that, so, so anyway, as I asked Payne, he goes, Coach, I didn't, I didn't touch him. Um, you know, the guy pushed me a little bit, and then we jawed a little bit. And so I had to take him for his word, but I was trying to find out from the referee, hey, what, can you explain the call? What, what made you call this call? Did he say something that was just really, really bad? That, that's what maybe I thought. Did he, did he use some language that was just totally, uh, because from what I saw and what I was told, and uh, so as I'm trying to you know, wave the officials in the very back end zone, uh, the head referee, uh, to come talk to me, yeah, I probably was a couple yards on the field, but it was a, it was a break in action. Uh, the game wasn't going on, and then all of a sudden I see a, a flag thrown from down the sideline. Guy looked like he was close to the end zone, and I just assumed it was on me, uh, even though I there's there's no way that I mean I, I've done I've done way worse uh, than that, uh, and to me to make two 15-yard penalty calls at that juncture. Do I agree with it? No, not, not at all. Now, with that said, it happened. Uh, so it's my fault. Uh, it's Payne's fault. Uh, so we have to take responsibility for it. We have to be accountable for it. We have to make sure it never happens again. Um, so, um, and, and uh, you know, that was addressed with the team. Uh, and I apologize to the team for, for that flag and, and, and got to make sure that it never happens again. So we have to adjust and, and make sure that, uh, and, and we talked about this as a team as well. Like the chatter has to stop. It has to stop in practice. Uh, you know, you, you being able to play with your own personality to a certain degree and let guys play. No, you, you have to keep your mouth shut. Got to keep your mouth shut and play football. You, uh, you, you got to limit any celebrations. You can gr congratulate your teammates on plays. No, you can't be celebrating either. We cannot get any more 15-yard penalties, uh, in, including myself, including uh, sideline warnings and on, on the field, uh, those type of things. So we just have to be really, really uh, by the book uh, and keep our mouths shut and coach and play football. Just about three weeks ago, this is not where Pat Fitzgerald expected his Northwestern team to be. Starting the year with that historic win in Ireland over Nebraska, dramatic 31-28 victory. But then after a bye week, the momentum apparently stayed overseas. Losses first to Duke and then this past weekend, to Southern Illinois. Got to get right back at it this weekend. Miami at home Saturday. You can see it right here on Big Ten Network before getting back into conference play the 1st of October against Penn State. Take you down the road to Evanston. Here is Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald. Thanks, Paul. Good morning. Good afternoon. Sorry about that. Forgot we're after 12 o'clock. So good afternoon and uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for covering the squad. I want to welcome our students back. Uh, we start class tomorrow, and uh, it's been great driving around campus. And then also, obviously, Saturday, uh, you know, seeing uh, all, all the students. It was awesome and greatly appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing them again here this Saturday night at, at, at 630. Uh, I want to congratulate Ryan Holinsky. Uh, he was named uh, to the uh, All-State Good Works team this morning. Um, and uh, it's, it's only uh, recognizes 11 FBS players a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of being recognized uh, to be on this team, uh, outstanding contributions to their communities and their environment. So fired up for Ryan um, and uh, he's our only big 10 conference representative. So uh, congratulations to him. Not a surprise. He's incredibly giving of his time and we could probably have multiple guys uh, that could be up for that, but uh, congratulations to him. And then 
This week is the uh, American Football Coaches Association Coach to Cure game. And uh, across the country, you'll see coaches wearing Coach to Cure patches uh, to raise awareness and hopefully funds to help uh, find a cure for this uh, terrible disease of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Uh, we've had uh, some great fans of ours come out and be a part of practices in the past and game day. Uh, some young men and this, this terrible disease only affects young men uh, become a part of our football family. And, um, you know, we as a program look forward to helping out and uh, it's a proud AFCA member um, hoping to raise awareness for Duchenne and uh, a cure that uh, hopefully will come. Uh, looking back, we had no players of the week on offense or defense. Special teams player of the week was Ray Nairo. This is his second time of the year that he's done that. Our three practice players uh, on offense, C.J. Johnson, uh, defensively, Joe DeHaan, and uh, on special teams, Devin Turner. Those three guys gave, gave a great look. Um, you know, obviously disappointed, uh, to say the least, in the outcome of the game, but like I told the squad, you know, we're, we're probably, you look at our first three games, you know, I would, I would categorize this as a very inconsistent football team that ultimately is my responsibility, you know, uh, in, inconsistent execution and in, inconsistent, the turnover ratio, uh, we've made some critical errors and some critical times, uh, but, you know, we're probably three or four plays away from being and three and probably three or four more plays and being three and oh and that's the great thing about football you got to be consistent and when you're not you know you got to look at you know a lot of things number one our schematics and i think we adjusted well in all games but uh, and i thought we started faster uh on saturday but we we uh we obviously gave a couple things up and then you know we've beat ourselves with the turnover ratio you know limiting your opportunities you know it's scary to me right now you know you think we gave away really six possessions of momentum in the second half um, uh, but you know, three, th or excuse me, five, but three of which, uh, were, were, were obvious the two turnovers in the fourth down that we didn't convert. So those, those are really damaging when you're, when you're trying to seize momentum and, and, and capitalize on some things. And, you know, I thought at times our defense did a great job, especially with, you know, being on a short field and only giving up seven points, but that ended up being a seven point difference. So we've got to play cleaner as a team. We've got to be more consistent. Ultimately that's, that's my responsibility. And we got to work on it right away this morning, show the guys why, what happened, what we're going to do to fix it. And attitude was great. Uh, another huge challenge. I think, you know, top to bottom, you know, I, I think the Red Hawks are as good of a team as we've played. You know, Coach Martin has been there now a number of years. The systems are in place. Uh, they've had some staff turnover, but there's been a high level of consistency with the way that they've played. They were up 17-7 on a very good Cincinnati team uh, over the weekend. Um, and that was a very impressive start out, out the gate, 10, nothing, very physical team. Uh, you know, James Patton, a very close friend of mine coaches their offensive line and his DNA is all over that group. Their downhill run team RPO, their defense is set up to stop the RPO and they're very physical in their front seven. I was very impressed with John Saunders play against Cincinnati. He was all over the field, their, their corner. Uh, watching the tape, incredibly impressive. Their inside backers are awesome to watch. Uh, just, I think they've got. A, there's a reason why they were picked to win their division in the MAC. They're they're a complete team. They've added some very impressive pieces. So we're gonna have our hands full, but we got to focus on us. We got to get better here this week and play our cleanest, most consistent game of the year. So uh, with that, I'll open it up and hopefully answer any and all questions that you may have. Reminder, if you have a question, please message Athletic Communications in the chat. First question for Andrew Seligman. 
Hey, Pat. Um, just wondering, what do you make of how the Big Ten has fared as, as a conference in general in the non-conference part of the schedule, and especially what happened this past weekend with some of the some of the losses and some of the narrow kind of narrow escapes. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, I, I'd love to be able to tell you I've seen all of our my my brethren here in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, I, I've got ninety nine problems, and everybody else's is not one. It's not a line that I I, I use uh, I use that frequently, I guess. So uh, I need to focus on us. Um, you know, again. I, I think it's early in the year. You've got different things that, that happen without a preseason in major college football. Every week's kind of its own entity. And um, you got to find a way to get your team to peak on game day. And, and then, you know, momentum happens. I had a chance to watch a couple of the games after I got home, after watching, I got a chance to sprint out and watch Loyola play. Uh, we'll catch the second half. But, you know, it was it was just, again, like us, more teams are beating themselves than are winning games. And, and I think that is what I've seen of the games that I've watched. And usually the teams that keep grinding and improve, that kind of starts to, to be corrected. And that's what our hope is that we'll be able to do here. John Vogue. Yeah, hi, Coach. You mentioned um, Ryan winning the – AFCA award uh, this morning. Could you just speak a little bit more about the leadership he shows every day and, and how he gives back to the community? Yeah, Ryan's spectacular when it comes to giving back to the community. You know, the, from Holinsky's Hope, you know, all the way through, he interacts with every young person that he meets. He's just got a incredibly dynamic personality. He's incredibly giving. Um, and you can see that it's kind of written all over his DNA. And we're just really proud of him, you know, a young man that, uh, you know, obviously was a newcomer in our program a year ago and to see how he's grown, his confidence has grown. Um, he's a perfect fit for that recognition and, and um, couldn't be more proud of Ryan. Bradley Locker. Hey coach, in light of the injuries that you guys had in the secondary, obviously no Coco again, no Cam Mitchell, no AJ Hampton, just wondering how you go about balancing those when you